This is Josh Byrne, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie Omel are showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Byrne. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Warren. Gets topside wrap. Oh, scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What is up, Pro Lacrosse fans? We are back for another week of recapping these PLL games. After, you know, bye, we finally got some live action lacrosse. Uh, We also had an expansion draft. Um, we're going to get to both of those in a little bit. But, Adam, give me some thoughts uh, from Baltimore. You were actually on the ground. How was it seeing some live lacrosse? I think that was your first sporting event in a long time, right? Yeah, it, it, it was awesome to, to really catch up uh, with some people that we only knew in the Twitterverse, right, uh, which was really cool to finally uh, connect in person and just uh, be around a, a really passionate uh, group of people and fans um, in, in Baltimore. It was packed, especially uh, on Friday jam-packed stadium same for for saturday and uh, i was on daddy duty on sunday so i watched watched from home but yeah it was it was awesome to to see um a really awesome crowd uh, in baltimore and it was just really great to be in person like you said that was my first sporting event first uh really big thing i did since uh kind of covid um so it, it was awesome to be there yeah no and you know that was obviously your current home in baltimore we're yeah. excited for philly your former home yeah. Uh, where I will actually be there as well. So I'm looking forward to catching up with you then. Um, and also you've seen some live lacrosse. I think that will be my first sporting event since um, I think I went to Ovechkin's uh, when he scored a 700th goal yeah. against the Devils was the last time. That was last February. So it's been over a year since I've been to a live sporting event. So I'm definitely itching to, to get there. Couldn't get there to this weekend, but really excited uh, when we do get boots on the ground in Philly. Um, we're going to talk about this PLO weekend. A lot happened. I think we learned a little bit more about some teams and I think, you know, there's still a lot of questions up in the air because yeah. of the parity in this league. Um, but we also had our NLL expansion draft on Tuesday night. The reason why we're putting out this episode a little bit later, because we wanted to uh, recap that, um, you know, we had 13 players get selected. They ended up making some trades, get 16 players on this team. Um, but let's run down the list of the players that were selected. And then we'll give our little, some takeaways on this uh, Panther City roster. So you had Matt Hossick, defender out of Saskatchewan, go first overall. Then they took Charlie Kitchen from the Firewolves. Obviously, he hasn't played for the Firewolves yet. He was drafted by the Black Wolves last season. Um, you know, product out of Delaware. Tremendous season um, with them. Uh, 2019 CAA Co-Offensive Player of the Year. And he also posted the 12th longest scoring streak in NCAA Division One history. I'm surprised, honestly, that he hasn't gotten some looks in the field game as well. But he'll definitely make his presence known um, on this Panther City squad. You had Liam Burns of the Philadelphia Wings selected third. Connor Kelly of the New York Riptide selected. This is his second time um, getting drafted in an expansion draft in the NLL. Also third overall time getting drafted in an expansion draft after getting selected by the Water Dogs as well. So he's no stranger to expansion drafts. Then they took Nick Demood out of the San Diego Seals, a goalie. Uh, Patrick Dodds, one of the Calgary Roughnecks draft picks um, in the 2020 NLL draft. Sam Clare, who was a British Columbia native. Um, and transition player for the Vancouver Warriors played his first season with them last year on selected seventh overall. You have Liam Patton, defender out of the Bandits. Then Phil Caputo, forward out of Rochester Nighthawks. 
Ryan Banesh, probably the biggest shocker of the night. You know, we all expected him to take a veteran. We didn't know which veteran that would be. And he ends up being the one that lands on this team. Um, he was currently played with the Halifax Thunderbirds, obviously had long tenures with Buffalo and a bunch of other teams up to that point as well. Um, Kevin Orleman, another goalie, Georgia Swarm was selected. Then Chris Wardle was selected from the Mammoth, but he was actually flipped for two players. We'll get to that a little bit later. And then Scott Domini was also selected from the Toronto Rock, and he was also flipped for some picks um, to the New York Riptide. So those are the 13 people selected. The players that are required in trades were Taylor Stewart. Uh, they get him from the Toronto Rock after sending their second round pick in next year's draft and their second round pick. But they get a second round pick in this year's draft back along with Taylor Stewart. They trade Scott Domini to the New York Riptide in return for Dawson Thede. And then they trade Chris Wardle to the Colorado Mammoth, back to the Mammoth, in return for Will Malcolm and Jordan Trottier. So that was pretty big because I had kind of thought they maybe might take Will Malcolm. Instead, they get him and Jordan Trottier by taking Chris Wardle. So a little draft and trade there. Um, and then they also made a trade for Connor Sellers as well. So they had 16 players overall when this was all said and done. Um, but give me some of your takeaways, Adam, from this uh, expansion draft for the Panther City Club. I guess start off, they ended up taking two goalies, you know, and you're looking at some mocks. It was like maybe a goalie, maybe not a goalie. And I don't think many people had them taken too. So it'll be interesting to see that goalie battle between Nick DeMood and Kevin Orlman. Uh, to see who will be the starter in cage. Orleman has a little bit more tenure in terms of games played in the NLL, um, but Demood played pretty well when he was with the San Diego Seals. So uh, it'll be interesting to see um, the goalie situation as it goes through training camp. And you mentioned a guy, you talked a little bit about uh, Charlie Kitchens. I was really excited uh, to see that pick. Uh, we, we talked off pod. He would uh, have been my guy for, to take from the Firewolves. Um, I got to see him play in person um, at Towson um, this past uh, this past season um, when he was with the Blue Hens. And man, he's a monster. So I'm really excited. Uh, if you are uh, a Panther City fan, you got a good one. Another thing, it was interesting to see that they did go um, in our previous pod. I talked, you know, are they going to snag up some of those recent draft picks that haven't even played for uh, their current team? And that happened uh, with Patrick Dodds. So he grabbed him from the Calgary up next. So it was a definitely an interesting uh, team makeup thus far for Bob Hanley and Tracy Koleski. You know, and Liam Burns uh, was another guy that you had mentioned yep. potentially being picked up and he did. They took him from your Philadelphia Wings. Uh, Matt Hossack, another defender that a lot of people linked um, I think that was a, a no-brainer as well. Um, I personally really like the pick of Connor Kelly. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's interesting that the Riptide left him unprotected. Obviously, you know, they have a lot of pieces, new pieces, you know, addition of Callum Crawford um, in the offseason. So that team's going to look a little bit different. But I didn't expect to see him unprotected, and I thought he was a, a big pickup for Panther City as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, Ryan Banesh, is a huge pickup for them. Again, we talked about, we, we didn't think it maybe would have been Banesh. We had a few other names that we thought could be the veteran presence on this team. Um, and it turns out Banesh is the one that um, they, they went with. And I, I saw Graham Perot had a nice, interesting stat that the Panther City selections have a combined 586 goals and 1,415 points. It said Ryan Banesh has 83% of those goals and 81% of those points. So obviously a long historic career in this uh this league uh, he's going to play now for another new team um i you know i think the halifax thunderbirds are going to miss him a little bit and it's unfortunate because that team had as they said unfinished business to do but um i think he's gonna you know make a huge impact on this panther city team and i think it was a good pickup by coach koleski 
But uh, yeah, those are kind of our, our thoughts. Uh, again, I really like the, the fact that they got Will Malcolm um, and Jordan Trottier as well. I, I thought that was a pretty savvy move by Bob Hamley and Coach Koleski um, to kind of take Wardle and then trade him back to the mammoth and get some, some other assets out in return. So um, those are some guys too that I, I wouldn't overlook. So that was the long-awaited expansion draft for the Panthers City Lacrosse Club. We'll also be waiting for Las Vegas's expansion draft next year. Obviously, have to little wait a little bit longer, but um, the Panther City team will take the floor this December. So certainly looking forward to them. But now let's go into some live lacrosse that we got to watch. You saw it in person uh, for several of these games. Um, but let's start off with this Whips win over uh, the, the Atlas in overtime. Um, Atlas, I think, have shown they're the real deal. Uh, we'll get to them a little bit later in the, this discussion. But, but this game, I, I think, was probably my favorite of the weekend. Uh, obviously, it was a nice Friday night crowd in Baltimore. Again, I mentioned you saw it in person. So talk to me a little bit about this game and what was it like seeing Jeff Teets Long awaited debut. Definitely started week three off with a bang. It was great to see Jeff T out there finally. Uh, only had two assists on the stat sheet, but he does so much more uh, off ball in a number of ways to, to help uh, this Atlas squad. So uh, definitely was excited to see him out there. And another rookie also, we already talked to Jake Caraway last week, right? But he continued uh, his strong performance to definitely be in the rookie of the year discussion. Um, and your boy, Mark Cockerton, with 45 seconds left, uh, tying this one up to send it to overtime. That uh, goal was insane. When you look at uh, the replays, it was even more insane to see it live uh, in game speed. So uh, really awesome weekend. And obviously, uh, if you had to pick someone for, for the overtime challenge, right, it's obviously going to be Rambo for most people. And guess what? It was him. Uh, so really awesome way to, to start off the weekend in this Whips win over the Atlas. Yeah, no, I thought it was just a great lacrosse game, too. Um, there's just, you know, I think each team matched the level of play. I, I yeah. thought it was just they all played well. Um, you know, we mentioned Jeff T only had two assists. He had, you know, you could say by his standards, a quiet Friday night, but I thought he looked really good out there. He was almost making the extra pass a little too much. I was like, it's a few times, I'm like, just shoot it, man. Like, let yeah. it rip. But um, he kind of, you know, fit in pretty pretty well, having not yeah. played in an actual, you know, competitive lacrosse game in over a year. Um, you know, he certainly didn't miss a beat. Again, that toe drag by Mark Cockton was amazing. And Jeff T almost won the game with a BTB in overtime as well that just narrowly missed. So, um, so some almost late game heroics by him. But again, it was the whip snakes that came out on top in overtime. And that was in large part to a great hustle play by Jay Carlson on the ride. Yeah. Um, you know, they, the Atlas had played pretty well against them in overtime. Um, and they had, you know, caused a turnover. Jay Carlson got the ball right back. And then when Rambo gets top side, it's, you know, it's going to be tough uh, to, to be, yeah, you know, Atlas, I think played really, really well when they were in settled offense. And that was a little bit unsettled just due to the the failed clear. And um, unfortunately Matt Rambo made him pay. Uh, but yeah, another, you know, thrilling overtime victory for the whips um, and they remained undefeated, but it, it wouldn't be for much longer, but we'll get in that a little bit later. Um, we'll go on to the Saturday game slate. Um, and this featured an upset from the chaos chaos upset the Redwoods 11 and nine, um, despite TD Erland going 77%. Um, you know, we also had some debuts from some other rookies and Charlie Bertrand and Ryan Smith, who I think um, both looked pretty good out there. But give me some of your thoughts on this game um, and, and the chaos is, you know, first one of the season. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll throw to our interview with Josh Byrne a little bit. And we, we talked uh, about this game and kind of the build up to this week three win. And uh, it certainly was a build up, right? We saw, um, you know, them not really connecting in that week one and, and week two, we kind of saw them uh, connect a little bit in, in their previous game against the archers, you know, they, they came out strong and, and kind of faltered at the end. And, and this one, they, they put more of a complete game together, you know, 
their defense play, played a little bit better. Blaze still made 14 saves, right? So he, he was still uh, doing his thing. And um, the Redwoods kind of had some sloppy possessions kind of da- down the line. So um, it was definitely a big win for, for the chaos. And it's going to be a jumping off point. And, you, you know, we, we talked about it in uh, the wraparound this week. But, man, the standings are just getting murkier and murkier mm-hmm. between, um, you know, the goal differential and the Whips have a negative goal differential. So it's going to be crazy going down uh, the stretch here to, to see where these teams lie. Because obviously a few weeks ago, the Whips were, were at the top of, of a lot of people's rankings. Maybe not one, but but up there with, with the Whips and uh, Archers. And now I'm not necessarily so sure. So uh, this is a week-to-week league, obviously. Things go up and down. But um, it was great to see guys like Jake Fricaro uh, play well and Dane Smith. And uh, this should be a jumping off point, hopefully, for Andy Tower squad. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, I actually, you know, rewatched this game made a point to rewatch this game. And um, honestly, I, I think, you know, credit to the chaos for going on that late five goal run and winning this game. But I think they stole this game because I, I think the Redwoods uh, actually played well during stretches. But again, they showed that they, they need to be able to step on the jugular and, you know, put teams away early. Um, you know, they went up nine, six in the middle of the third. And that was the time to step on the gas. And it looked like that's what they were going to do. Um, but you know, they kind of let the chaos kind of hang around. Um, you know, it was a late third quarter, one-handed goal by Kyle Jackson that kind of sparked the chaos, you know, making a nine, seven game. And then in the fourth quarter, it was all chaos. So, um, I think you mentioned two guys, Jake for and Dane Smith, I think have played really, really well yeah. all four, uh, four games. Um, I think the offense kind of goes when they go, um, you know, they're kind of the facility, they've been the facilitators, which is kind of interesting to see, uh, particularly for Fricaro, who, you know, was more of a goal scorer in that year one or whatever. Um, so I, I think their patience on offense is what allows this chaos offense to really thrive. Um, but then you still saw some really ugly glimpses of this offense as well. It, you know, it wasn't like they played a complete game. That five on four power play looked awful. There was just no ball movement. They let the Redwoods just pack it in. I mean, yeah. chaos have some crease guys. Like they should have put a guy on the crease, in my opinion, rather than, than having, you know, you know, pretty much five guys spread out. Um, and trying to just move it up top it just I, I don't know uh, there there were some instances where I, I still didn't think the chaos looked too great um, but they did start to do better when they were patient more on offense and I think that was kind of what helped them um, to kind of get back in this game and again chaos defense played better um, there's still some you know lapses in coverage uh, but blaze you know still in his head 14 saves not the 20 plus saves we've been used to but 61 percent um, save percentage again and I, I think uh you know, they got a little bit lucky too. The Redwoods on the flip side played well a lot of a lot of times in the game. I think they missed the presence of Ryan Lee, um, obviously, because not only does he is he a great finisher, but he makes the defense kind of pack it in and allows you know the Redwoods to spread out a little bit more and find better spacing. So I think you know not having him was definitely felt. Um, their 15 turnovers is still pretty high for a team that has such an advantage at the faceoff stripe. You know, it, it, they have TD Erlin winning 77% on that day. Um, that, that's been consistent, you know, for the most part for these p- past three, four games. So, you know, they need to do a better job of making those possessions count. And I think, you know, they showed some glimpses of greatness when you have Rob Pinnell either dodging from behind or Jules inverting from behind and feeding Miles Jones up top. Um, I'd like to get, you know, Perkovic involved a little bit more. He also had a goal, but, you know, those guys are able to, you know, make this defense kind of play out because they're such a threat at the two-point arc. Yeah. And then you saw with Miles Jones' both his goals, he was able to, 
you know, kind of do a nice hitch dodge to get around them because um, they had to respect his two point range. And then he was getting, you know, some singles out of it. So um, I think they, we just need to see more of that um, overall, though. I, I thought the Redwoods didn't actually play that bad. Um, no. It's just you, you got to step on the gas and you have to put a team away. If you're up nine, six, um, you can't go. 17 minutes without a goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, on, honestly, Dorn, we were joking with, uh, uh, I was, I was, I was with our residential better Dan Newbert during this game. And, you know, I, I was joking. I'm like, Oh, Redwoods might be pulling away and in this one. I would love to see um, a final um, Kyle Harrison face off uh, <laughs> on Homewood. Right. Um, since this was his last game on home and so, um, but, and they just weren't able to, to, like you said, put, put their, their foot on the throat and, 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 and pull away. So, um, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I did want to, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kyle's last game on Homewood. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. He got a standing ovation before the game and, um, it, it was awesome to be in person to, to see his, uh, final game that he suited up at, on Homewood. Um, such a special place for him and, and for, for lacrosse. So it was awesome to be uh, on hand for that one. You know, and he spoke a little bit about the game. So let's toss some, some post-game sound from him. It was pretty special. I think I'm not, I'm not a person who um, like in the moment understands the gravity of things, but I think, uh, you know, sitting here with her right now, just all my parents, all, you know, equipment guys that have been here for 20 plus years that I saw, you know, when I, when I was a freshman at this school. So this is, this is special. This, this lacrosse community uh, has supported me for 34-ish years now. Uh, I've been playing from Lutherville to Friends to obviously Hopkins and then professionally. So this is uh, obviously I would have loved to win. Uh, that, that's priority number one, but this is special. Yeah, so you hear Kyle Harrison obviously disappointed that they weren't able to get the victory, but, um, you know, thankful for all his memories at Homewood. Um, and, you know, overall it was, uh, you ended up being Josh Burns, two late goals that, you know, brought the chaos to the tie. And then Mac O'Keefe's two point worm burner, um, put them up. Um, and you know, I, I think what really you saw from the chaos too, is despite, again, I don't think I saw enough to really make me believe that they're going to still maybe turn the season around just yet, but, you know, Mac O'Keefe's play that in that game was great. He had a one point, you know, low to high rip and then that two point worm burner to kind of. Um, put the final nail on the coffin. Um, you know, they just got big plays late down the stretch when they needed it. Kyle Gallagher only won five faceoffs on the day, but following that Mac O'Keefe goal, he won a faceoff against TD, and that kind of gave them a little bit more, you know, time to kill the clock. Um, and then at the end of the day, it was Mark Lassini's diving um, shot block on Gardensy's two-point attempt at the end of the game to, to win it for them. So, you know, they came up big in the big moments, um, and I, I think that's what kind of, showed that, you know, this chaos team is not going to just roll over and die. Um, you know, obviously getting their first victory was a big confidence boost for them. Um, I think they still have a lot of work to do, um, you know, both on the offense and defensive side. You know, this offense should be putting up more than nine points. Um, but overall, gutsy, gutsy win for them. And, you know, a win's a win. It doesn't matter, you know, how you do it. Um, a win is a win at the end of the day. And in this league, those are, you know, really tough to, to get, you know, no, no team's safe. So, um, I, I thought it was a, a good win by Coach Towers' squad. Moving on to the Archers' water dogs. Um, you know, if you had any doubt that the Archers were for real, I, I think it was quickly put to rest against the water dogs. Um, they come out and they, they win 17-8, and it, this never really felt that close. Um, so let's hear from Coach Bates on what he thought uh, about this win and how he thinks the Archers are, are playing overall. 
two weeks off, I thought was, you know, for uh, in a regular season, I thought that was early. Um, but I thought we responded well. You know, I, we played, we came out in the first quarter here and played well. Um, but moving forward, you know, that that's something we've got to think on just in terms of lineup. If we make changes, you know, we can bring a couple extra guys. But we take it one at a time, frankly. So whatever's happening on Sunday, or excuse me, yeah, Sunday, we're we're not really worried about. We'll just take, you know, get to Thursday's practice, review this one, and then you know, go go forward on the on Friday night. Yeah. So you heard from Coach Bates. Obviously, he's got this team playing at another level. Um, and I'll let you talk a little bit about the goalie play because I feel like right now Adam Gittleman is playing unworldly. Um, he's really the heartbeat of this Archers team. But what have you seen from him that leads you to believe that the Archers are, you know, the favorites to win it all at this point? Yeah, I mean, he's the heartbeat on uh, defense and offense after this, right, <laughs> with, with that, that two-point goal and uh, an assist to, to his uh, give-and-go buddy, uh, Scott Ratliff, for, for his two-pointer, which was awesome. Um, no, he, he's – the heartbeat uh, of this squad. He's so much fun to watch. I think that's mm. one thing in person. Uh, he He's scoring goals. He, he's doing somersaults after uh, assisting goals. Uh, in front of him, that defense was really able to neutralize a lot of the water dogs' uh, threats on offense. Warren Jeffrey uh, and Graham Hosick are absolute monsters and absolute uh, fantastic additions to this squad. Um, obviously, I was in person, so I uh, was able to see uh, Graham Hosick for the first time in person. And dude, he is <laughs> he is a monster. So um, it was really fun to to see this Archer's offense uh, in person. You know, they were just whipping the ball around. I don't know uh, how you can stop some of the passes from uh, Will Manny to to Marcus Holman. Just it absolutely uh, insane um, performance by by this Archer squad. And you know. Um, it's definitely uh, put the water dogs real sent the dog, water dogs reeling, right? We talked to Ryan Brown and how they, they were definitely meshing uh, on offense uh, a week ago. And um, it looked like this offense kind of reverted back to what they looked like earlier in the season. So it'll be interesting to see who the, who the water dogs are really. We're obviously still early on, but um, time will tell whether uh, they're more like uh, the water dogs that got that W or, um, maybe, maybe this squad uh, that looked uh, a little bit more depleted on the offensive end early on. Yeah, no, no, a big test for them going up against the also two and two Redwoods, you know, yep. both of the teams trying to get above 500. I thought the archers really just came out and, you know, just kind of stomped on them. I mean, the archers now have a 25 plus 25 goal differential. Part of that was in due to that two point goal you mentioned from uh, Gittleman at the end. Um, didn't know if it was going to count a little bit of confusion, but ended up counting, uh, he now passes Brett Queener, with, uh, who had eight career points, as the uh, highest scoring goalie in pro lacrosse history, according to Joe Keegan's 10-man ride newsletter. So I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, I think, you know, the Archers now have, um, you know, won pretty handily against an Atlas team that, you know, we now know is pretty good. Um, a Chaos team that, you know, obviously still has his issues to work out and a Water Dogs team, I think, that's still trying to find its identity. I think its true test is going to be, against a Chrome team coming up on Long Island and then going back to back uh, against the Whipsnakes team that is hungry for a victory after you know, their fault first loss in so many games. So that I think might be the true test for this Archers team. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to kind of just take note. Um, this Archer squad has pretty much been together for all three years of the PLL. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and we talked uh, about those three victories that they, they've gotten, uh, 
are all fairly new teams that are being put together, right? That they, they've been in the league other than the Water Dogs for all three years, but um, there's been a lot of changes to those rosters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Archers and uh, another successful team like the Whips have been um, predominantly that core has been together. So uh, that's just something to, to kind of look at going forward um, is that connectedness. And um, this Archers team uh, is really close. Um, and as coach Bates said, and, uh, that's just something that's definitely a benefit for a team, uh, comparative to some teams that have made a lot of changes over the last few years. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, again, they're going to face a Chrome team that's going to be hungry to you continue that momentum. And then a Whipsnakes team that you can look at the other side and say is also a cohesive unit. So, um, some two true tests, I think these were probably the, the last two teams they'd probably want to face on back to back. Um, but, you know, I think given what we've seen the first three weeks, you know, they're the team to beat. They can, uh, they can beat anybody, um, you know, in, in a variety of different ways with the amount of offensive talent they have. So definitely looking forward to seeing their doubleheader this upcoming weekend. Uh, you mentioned the Atlas a little bit, a team that, you know, is kind of trying to find its identity. You mentioned the Atlas a little bit, a team that's kind of, you know, newly constructed. They are also playing a Cannons team that is also newly constructed. Um, and they – this game was a barn burner, 18 to 17. Uh, I think the highest scoring game, at least this season, if not in uh, PLO history, is definitely up there. Um, and surprisingly, Michael Rexrode held Lyle to zero goals. And that's only the second time he's ever been hold, held to zero goals in his pro career um, in the field game. So, again, try, quite a feat. Um, you know, I, I, I am a big fan of Michael Rexrode. I have said, though, too, that I thought they could have added another, uh, you know, pole maybe ahead of him in the draft. And he's gone and proven me wrong that you know he is that lockdown defender that um they wanted and uh you know i didn't think they made a mistake in drafting him but um i thought they might have reached on him a little bit and he's been playing well in these four games um and just a a great effort by him on lyle played really well in that whips game as well um but i think the real storyline from this game was jeff teeth seven goals and two assists uh this was his real coming out party um i saw a lot of people saying oh we told you jeff teeth you know was the real deal i didn't see many people like saying that he wasn't on Friday. I yeah. think it was the, the phantom, like, oh, we told you so. Um, and if you watch that game, you could tell that Jeff Teat was still feeling pretty comfortable that Friday game. But yeah, if you did have any doubt, which I didn't think there were many doubters out there, they were definitely put to rest after this nine-point performance. But uh, he spoke after the game about uh, his weekend. So let's hear from him. Jeff, first pro game on Friday, you were sort of getting your feet underneath of you. What made the difference this game to come out here and put up eight points? I don't know, just felt a little bit better physically today. Um, felt a little tired and slow on Friday, but um, today felt good. I think we felt good as a group, and uh, great to come out with a win. Second pro game, what has been the biggest adjustment for you? Um, it's definitely a lot faster than um, you know other leagues and other teams, so just getting used to the speed and um, the quickness and stuff like that is definitely probably the biggest for me. Yeah, so you heard Jeff Teat, obviously. Uh, great to have him in pro lacrosse. Uh, long-awaited, you know, debut, but it finally came, and uh, he's not going anywhere, he's shown. But uh, what did you see from this Atlas team in a really, you know, back-and-forth game against the Cannons? I thought the Cannons played really, really well, too, and they unfortunately just can't buy a win. But what did you see from this Atlas team that makes you maybe believe that they could be, you know, one of the top teams in the league? 
Yeah, it was interesting to see how, how this offense uh, really ran and, and not just necessarily uh, through one person, but depending on the matchup, uh, they can be successful in a lot of different ways. And uh, it bodes well for, for an Atlas squad when a guy like Brian Costabile only has uh, one point in this one, right? And they still put up 18. So they have a lot of potent offensive threats. Your boy, as I said, Mark Cockerden had another good game with a goal and assist. And uh, Romar Dennis, did he have a two-point goal? Did he not have a two-point goal? <laughs> that rip uh, was absolutely insane. And, and, and the Brett Adams revenge tour continues, obviously, as well. So he had a, a pretty solid day as well. So they got a lot of offensive output from a number of different people. It just so happened that Jeff T had nine, nine points in this one, which always helps. Yeah, and I got to give some love to the, the defensive side. Um, you know, Jake Richard and Danny Logan. Danny Logan's been playing really, really well. And, and another guy who we saw what he did in college at Denver – but maybe, you know, some people might have thought that he went a little bit high in that college draft and he's been, you know, worth his weight, yep, um, at, you know, ninth overall pick as well. He, he's been playing really, really well. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I think this this Atlas team is really hitting its stride. Um, I think they can beat anybody. And, you know, they, they've shown, too, that they can win the close, like, grinded out 11 to 12 point games. And then also they can, you know, light up the score sheet as well in these 18 to 17 games. Um, but give some credit to the Cannons who played really, really well. Paul Rabel had another great day. Obviously had that clutch two-point goal towards the end. It w- ended up not being enough for the Cannons to get the victory. But, um, you know, this Cannons team is kind of an anomaly right now at one and three. They're going to take on a Cannons team that's also one and three. And it's hard to believe that these two teams have the same record. Um, so I think, you know, they're going to be hungry for a victory next week. And uh, we'll get to our game previews a little bit later. But um, that's something, you know, that – they've been doing really, really well in a lot of these games, but at the end of the day, you need to get wins. And um, they're definitely, you know, thirsty and hungry for one. And I I think this squad also has the makings of of a contender, but um, they're going to have to learn how to finish, I guess, a little bit better. Yeah. And, you know, speaking uh, of uh, finishing, they do have a finisher uh, on the offensive end in Andrew Q. He's been playing really well for them. Uh, he's a guy I think you know in, in the pre-draft stuff when the expansion happened uh, went under the radar. I, I think he's he's um, connecting with uh, a former Bayhawk and Lyle Thompson really well, and uh, I think he could be an All-Star. I think he's playing well enough to to make that All-Star squad in a, in a couple weeks, and um, he's been a guy I still think is going under the radar, but deserves uh, a lot more credit than he's getting. No, I, I agree. And uh, I, I think he's going to be on my all-star ballot. The all-star ballot, it's tight, you know, tight, yeah. tight ballot, but um, we'll definitely be giving our picks uh, in the coming weeks for who we want to make that squad. Um, but overall too, yeah, I thought, um, you know, the Cannons played pretty well. Uh, their defense, you know, obviously gave up a lot. Nick Morocco didn't have his best day, um, still made 18 saves though. Um, so, you know, when you're seeing, you know, he made half his, he had a 50% save percentage. So, you know, he, he saw a lot of shots. And I think that's something they're going to want to limit going forward. Um, still, my, my biggest thing with them is obviously going up against Trevor Baptiste is never easy, but both Drew Simino and Tommy Kelly, you know, 39%, 33%. That's just not what you want to see at the face-off X. And I think that's where, you know, their struggles could be magnified. Um, obviously, we've seen what this offense can do, but if they're struggling to get possessions, um, that could be their Achilles heel going forward. But um, overall, I think they're going to be all right. Um, and I think they're going to be looking to bounce back. Um, but now we move on to the main game of the weekend, just based on the fact that it took 672 days, but the whips have finally lost their win streak has come to a halt. And a big reason for that was the Chrome, uh, goaltending play by John Galloway. He had 21 saves, 78% save percentage. So let's hear from him after the game. 
Uh, I think, you know, more for our locker room just to uh, appreciate the resiliency of the group, uh, the amount of injuries we've had to deal with, the amount of um, difficult losses in the first two weeks, uh, not maybe playing our brand of lacrosse, and, and for us to answer the bell in a, a tough environment against a really talented team uh, was a great way to start, but I think we have a lot of work to do. You guys had almost two weeks off. You were seeing just about everything. What was the difference there for you over these last two two weeks? <clears throat> I just haven't played that well. And, uh, you know, eager to get back in here and, and improve myself. I feel like I still can be in there. And uh, I thought defensively, you know, guys switching positions, James Barclay playing a different spot, Eli Slama doing the same. And for us to play as cohesively as we did in, in short time prep, they made my job really easy today throughout the game. And after Coach Stagnita also spoke on the team's first loss in two years, so we'll toss to him as well. Well, we weren't going to go undefeated forever, so that was never an expectation, nor was it um, a goal. Uh, you know, we feel like we can get better every time we uh, we step on the field, win or lose. And you know, we've we've put ourselves in some difficult situations that we've been able to climb out of. And um, you know, this time around, uh, you know, the, our opponent was you know we played extremely well, and um, we looked. You know, we looked tired, and we were a little bit undermanned. And um, again, we ran into an opponent that was hungry and needed a win. And you know, that's what it looked like for four quarters. Mm-hmm. Some injuries on this team. Any updates on those players? Mm, no, not yet. Okay. Um, you know, Zed was uh, Zed's about fifty percent. So we're just uh, you know, we'll just continue to rehab him and hopefully get him back. So yeah, we will wait on the stat- official status of Zed Williams, who was injured in Friday's contest. Uh, and Rambo, who was injured in Sunday, it sounds like neither will be able to go this week. Um, Rambo's hand injury presumably could be keeping him out two to three weeks, it sounds like. Um, so we'll wait to see what their status is, but it does not sound good. Uh, but overall, Adam, what did you think from this Chrome team? You know, it looked like they were kind of dead in the water. They also were dealing with a lot of injuries. I know Coach Sudan was asked, you know, what was it like to beat a team without Zed and Matt Rambo? And he said, probably like, you know, playing a team without Randy Stotts and Jordan Wolf, you know? Yep. So um no no love lost there for you know injuries uh, to the opposing opponent and you know in this league you you have to be able to to be ready to beat anybody I think the whips looked really tired you could tell like even their first couple of possessions Michael Earhart looked gassed on a fast break that you know ended up being their first goal of the game um for the whips but uh overall what did you see from this chrome team that led you to believe that maybe they could make a chrome back and turn it around or do you think they were just a beneficiary of uh, a weekend whips team yeah I I don't see why it can't be both of those things, right? You know, when you get uh, a peak uh, John Galloway performance, I was so excited to see him play well. You could see uh, a couple of those late saves in the contest. He was very excited uh, to be making some point blank saves. Um, so definitely excited to, to see uh, vintage Galloway back. And, you know, they had a couple guys um, that really stepped up on offense, you know, a rookie, um, that might be up there with uh, in a couple weeks with uh, Jake Carraway and, and Jeff T for, for Rookie of the Year is a guy like Jackson Morrill, you know. Um, he had a fantastic game. Former uh, Bayhawk had a really great game for, for this Chrome squad and Colin Heacock. Uh, Heacock on Peacock, I think that's a, that should be the new slogan, right? He had a five-point day for, for this Chrome offense and, and really picked up some slack. Uh, on the offensive side of things for them. So uh, really great offensive performance from uh, this Chrome team. And I don't see why um, it can't be a jumping point for, for them as well. You know, I think the addition of uh, Heacock and, you know, Justin Anderson um, kind of gives them, 
legit two point threats, which they didn't really have in years prior. Um, so I, I think that's been big for them because uh, now they can kind of spread out the defense a little bit. Um, and obviously Jackson Morrill has been playing so, so well. Uh, he could, probably is the top rookie of the year candidate right now up there with Caraway. He had four goals to assist. Um, you know, he's really stepped it up. The fact that they lose Jordan Wolf, who really makes that offense run. Um, and although, you know, they haven't been able to get the victories, I, I think, you know, Jackson Morrill has been fit in seamlessly and he's playing really, really well. So um, I think this offense is really starting to find its groove. Um, the defense played really, really well. Obviously Galloway came up huge. Um, they've been, you know, kind of got a rotating door when it comes to the defensive end in terms of the players that they've been playing. Um, you know, not having Jesse Bernhardt certainly hurts. Not having JT Giles Harris, their top pick, certainly hurts. So, um, you know, they, they need to get a little healthier, I think, on defense before I can really start believing in them. But when you have Connor Farrell going up toe-to-toe with Nardella and Reisman, um, you know, that, that's big. Uh, you know, I think Connor Farrell has proven to be one of the better face-off men in this league. Um, and, you know, that some additions that they've added through the waiver wire, like Tommy Palastek, came up pretty big in this game. So, um, overall, I thought it was a good team win by the Chrome. Again, I don't know. You know, I think they did benefit a little bit from playing a beaten-up uh, Whips team. I think they're going to have a really big test against the Archers next weekend. And then obviously they have to follow that up with a game against the Atlas too on short rest. So um, tough road ahead for them this coming weekend, but I do think they can turn it around. They got a lot of good leadership on that team. Um, and I co- think coach Sudan, uh, you know, knows what he's doing. And, and I think he, uh, you know, he are, we're going to talk about a little bit, some of these waiver wire moves um, picked up TJ Camizio, uh who the Whips, had, you know, left off the restricted roster and hadn't played in three games. So that's big, I think, for them. He's, you know, had 40-plus GBs and 14 points with the Atlanta Blaze in 2019. So he can be a threat, um, kind of in the vein of, you know, Ryan Tarafanko, who also had a nice goal um, from a long Galloway uh, deep ball in that game. So I think they're starting to, to figure out what they have to work with, and those guys are stepping up and embracing their roles. Um, but on the flip side with the whips, I wouldn't be worried. Honestly, this is probably the motivation they needed, you know, as um, coach Stagnino alluded to, you know, they kind of got the monkey off their back in terms of when are the whips going to lose. Now they can kind of just focus on, you know, winning game by game. That was always their mindset, but you know, you always had that cloud kind of hanging over them. All right. The whips are undefeated, you know, for this many days. And finally, I think they can just go out and try to just win one game at a time. Um, And I think they have a, you know, tough test against the archers in their bounce back uh, game. But, uh, you know, they'll be playing them on shorter rest. So I think that's going to be quite the juggernaut match matchup, despite, uh, you know, even if they don't have Zed or Rambo ready to go, they obviously Chris Eslanian played really, really well. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys absent. So uh, they have the pieces, I think, to still uh, perform until they get their two MVPs back. They made a waiver wire move of their own and picking up Brian Phipps. Uh, Phipps to the whips is now a reality. All is right in the universe. Um, as you tweeted out poetically, uh, the Phipps snakes, uh, are here. So hopefully, you know, I don't think we'll see him starting over Burnlore, um, but it'll be nice to hopefully see uh, see him on the sideline and maybe he'll get some time. Junkin got some time this past game um, in some, you know, in the losing effort, but um, nice to see Brian Phipps uh, get on an active roster hopefully soon. With that, though, we want to toss to our interview. Uh, you got our thoughts on the weekend, but we want to hear from one of the players that played in this ga- in these games this past weekend and Josh Byrne, who had that um, two goals late in the fourth quarter to help rally the chaos in their first victory of the season. So stay tuned for a word from our sponsor and then listen to his interview after that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Today on Pro Lacrosse Talk, we are joined by PLL All-Star and current member of the Chaos Lacrosse Club and Buffalo Bandits, Josh Byrne. Josh had a big weekend in Baltimore, scoring a pair of late fourth quarter goals to help the Chaos nab their first win of the season. And we now have him on our show. Josh, how's it going today, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you hopping on. We're excited to talk a little bit about this Chaos season and uh, preview a little bit of your homecoming to Hofstra as well. But before we get started into that, let's talk a little bit about, you know, training camp. Obviously this is your third season with the chaos um, under coach towers. What was training camp like? And uh, what's it like playing for coach towers? It was intense, man. Um, To be honest, we just competed a lot. Um, We were trying to figure out what system best suited us um, and, and trying to figure out what personnel was, was going to mesh the best. So it, it was, it was, it was a long one, but, at the end of the day, I'm sure we were all pretty happy to kind of get out of there unscathed. Um, uh, but playing for coach, uh, coach towers is awesome. He, he's been great. Um, he's, I mean, you guys see the clips of him. He's, uh, he's, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy or it doesn't make it hard to go play lacrosse for that guy. Right. You're, you're always ready to run through a wall. Awesome. Yeah. He, he was amped uh, with your dub uh, on last weekend against the woods. But before we, we talk about that victory, let's talk about kind of those first two weeks, you know, you had a tough couple games there, but we saw really glimpses uh, of that offense that you guys were, were trying to put together, particularly against uh, that archer squad in week two. Um, how kind of, how has the team really gelled and, and came together uh, after those first two weeks? Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's, uh, it's taken us a little bit while longer. I think, um, we are at a bit of a disadvantage um, when it comes to the way our team has been built and structured. Um, and just, just because we don't have the, the Notre Dame connection or the Maryland connection or whatever it is, we haven't been playing with each other for the last eight years. So um, even though the majority of us are Canadian, it's still taken us a little bit longer to find the right mesh and, and the way that we each like to play um, individually and understanding each other's tendencies and whatnot. Yeah. So um, it's, it's definitely taken a little while for us to start to kind of find our groove and, and find what each one of us does best. Um, but now that we finally started to kind of click a little bit, it's, uh, it's, it's starting to look up for us. I'm, I'm excited for our team. No, absolutely. And let's dive into this big win over the Redwoods. Obviously you guys came back and, uh, Mac O'Keefe's two point goal was, uh, what kind of put you guys over the top and some thrilling <laughs> seconds at the end too, with Glassini jumping in front of that shot. Um, but talk about kind of what changed um, between, you know, the first couple of weeks and this week three, um, you know, you guys scored the final four goals of that game and held the woods scoreless um, as well. So what do you think worked yeah. really well in your win over the Redwoods? Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, I think we did kind of change up some schematic things that, that we were doing um, in the first couple of weeks. Um, we, we definitely tried to, uh, I'm not going to give away all our secrets, but uh, we, we we definitely changed up a couple of things that really helped us um, understanding who Mac is as a player, um, what kind of a shooter this kid really is, and and trying to 
do our best to bring the best out of Mac and put him in the best, the best situations um, to be able to be successful. Um, and I think we just did that. It, it took a little bit, but it's, it's slowly we're starting to figure, figure each other out a little bit. Um, and I think this is just the beginning for chaos. Absolutely. We think so as well. And kind of going into uh, week four, you guys will be headed to Hofstra uh, where you played your college days. Talk about your excitement to suit back up in Hempstead. I'm super excited. Um, some, some, it's a place that I've played for three years of my life. Um, and it's, it's somewhere where I've grown. I grew so much as a player and, and even as a person. So uh, for me to be able to go back and, and play in front of a bunch of friends and, and even um, friends, families who became my families, are, it's going to be super surreal, um, especially to play on the biggest stage in, in lacrosse. So um, I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled about it. And uh, hopefully we can, we can put on a bit of a show. No, awesome. And you guys are going up against a Cans team that is uh, currently one in three, but has been playing pretty well. Um, obviously a, a pretty loaded roster themselves. Any team in this league is loaded, but what's kind of the scout on them? Uh, you guys are both one in three. So you're looking for that second win. Uh, what are you guys kind of doing to prepare against this Cannons team? Obviously they're, they have a ton of talent. Um, I mean, they have probably one of the best players in the world with, with Lyle Thompson and, and he's always going to be a nightmare to try to prepare for, for our defense. Um, but at, at the same time, we have probably uh, the, the best um, three cover guys in the entire league. So um, we're, we're not going to be too worried about that and, and just really trying to focus on playing our game and, and doing what we have to do. Um, definitely going to try to maybe uh, push a little transition as we always like to do. Um, but um, at the end of the day, you just want to really play fast, play aggressive, get them out of their comfort zone. Um, and, and, and just try to ball out and be a little bit chaotic out there. Great. And, and we kind of wanted to talk about your teammates a little bit. You know, there's a bunch of guys on the chaos that is also uh, on your Bandix squad in, in the box game. What's it like playing with guys like Dane Smith and Chris Cloutier uh, basically year round and, you know, also living with those guys too? <laughs> yeah, it's a headache. No, I'm just <laughs> but uh, no, man, it's, it's actually been really cool for, for a lot of us because um, obviously uh, – just playing playing in Buffalo with with those guys we've built so much chemistry up and to be able to bring it to the field game um it's it's really cool for us and I, I think we're still trying to tap into that and and bring some different things over um and that we kind of do in in the boss game um but it's it's, it's really awesome man um it, whenever you see a familiar face um on another team um you're not playing against each other it, it definitely makes things a lot easier um and then you get to go home and watch film together too. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting, it's like pretty much being in college, but playing pro lacrosse. No, absolutely. And I'm sure Buffalo Bandits fans have enjoyed seeing you guys play in the field game, but are anxious to see you guys back on the floor, um, which you guys will return to in December with the NLO's uh, season commencing. Then um, talk about this long layover and uh, your urgency to kind of get back on the floor with your Bandits teammates. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's been a really long time um, for us. We've haven't played box in, uh, in, in <laughs> I don't even know how many days now, but um, it's that it's going to take a little while to get used to that as well. Uh, whenever you switch back from field to box, it's um, it's definitely a, a, a bit of a transition, I would say. Um, but I, I can't wait to get back in front of those Buffalo fans. And they're uh, when when you step out in front of that arena, 
Um, and you've got 12,000 fans going nuts um, and rocking and, and their faces are painted and they're screaming they're they're barking. Um, they're doing everything in the world. It's, uh, it's definitely a really cool feeling to be. So um, I can't wait for that, but first things first, and we got to go win a PLL championship. There we go. And one last NLL question, obviously, um, that was just announced that Las Vegas was getting a squad in the NLL. Uh, what were your thoughts when, when you heard about that? And then also the ownership group, that stacked ownership group. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy that um, I'm locked into Buffalo for the next three years because I don't know if I would survive in Vegas. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a really awesome thing for our sport. Um, that ownership group is just it's it's so stacked man um and it's really cool to see some real like real awesome professional people across the sports world taking interest in lacrosse so um to be able to like it's it's just what our sport needs um at the end of the day right so uh I mean, Gretzky's a guy that even just thinking about him, talking about him, it doesn't even really seem real that he's yeah. been investing in one of the teams in our league. Um, so now we're, we're thankful. And um, <laughs> yeah, the trips down to Vegas are going to be a lot of fun. No, for sure. Um, we're certainly looking forward to them coming into the league in a couple of years. Um, and now we're going to move to our five and five segment, more quick questions, quick hitters. Um, and I'll start with the lacrosse ones. And the first one I have is what are some pregame routines that you have? Ooh, um, I like to tape my stick before the game. Um, trying to eat some type of pasta um, as the pregame meal and just stretch a ton. Awesome. And then number two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? And that can be in box or field. Uh, I, I would cheat and say uh, Buffalo's Key Bank Center, but um, that's definitely number one. But a, a quick number two would probably be Gillette. Awesome. Yeah, no, that was a nice way to open it up, especially now that we're back in the touring schedule again. Um, number three, you mentioned your stick. Uh, what is your current stick set up in terms of head shaft and stringing? I know you're an epic guy, so what are you rocking these days? Yeah, I've got right now, I've got the, uh, the epic dragonfly shaft. Um, and I have that the stiffest that it gets. Um, and then I have the epic ID vision, um, which is a bit stiffer of a plastic. Um, and that's kind of what I've been rocking lately. And does that differ at all between uh, box and field, or do you keep a similar setup? Uh, I usually keep a similar setup. So um, I haven't actually played with uh, anything epic um, in the box game. So it's going to be pretty cool to be able to transfer that over. Awesome. And then number four, uh, this can be for the bandits or the chaos. Um, and maybe, you know, you have, there are t it's a teammate that's on both. But uh, who is the funniest teammate on uh, either of those squads? Oh, funniest teammate. I don't want to gas anybody up too much. <laughs> Um, uh, honestly, funniest teammate. Uh, I, 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 I'm not. I'm not gonna say funniest teammate because that uh, he's actually funny. This guy's just more of a magoo. Um, I would say Bryce Sweeting. Okay, awesome. And then number five, if they made a PLL video game, who would you say deserves to be on the cover? I'd say Lyle Thompson. That's a common answer, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah. I'll take the off the field questions. And number one, you're obviously playing so much, but when you're not playing, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy? Recently I uh, took up golf. Um, I don't know how much I enjoy it because I'm not too good at it yet, but, uh, but it's been something that I've been working on and, and um, starting to enjoy it a little bit, but we'll see. Takes a while. I still, I, I played for like four years. I suck and I, I don't enjoy it very much. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, number two, uh, favorite athlete in a different sport you enjoy watching right now? Right now, favorite athlete. That's tough. I would, I'm bouncing around between basketball. <laughs> I'd make a joke and say Ben Simmons, but that's oh, a, don't break my heart like that, man. <laughs> that's a bit of a touchy <laughs> subject. Um, but no, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say Giannis. Watching him play is pretty cool. Um, and we kind of have a running joke that um, whatever Giannis eats, um, I eat or I, I try to eat. So if I see somebody eating nachos, I'm like, ah, Giannis wouldn't eat that. I'm not going to eat that. So. <laughs> Love it. It's funny. Uh, number three, favorite spot to vacation? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. Why? Why so? It's uh, it's, uh, it's a great place, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's sunny, um, and uh, you can suck at golf and not be too worried about it. Because <laughs> you got the nice weather, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number four, you mentioned food. Favorite meal, and you prefer to dine out, cook at home, uh, or get takeout. Favorite meal, um, probably hibachi right now. I don't know why. Something about hibachi has just been, been calling my name. I haven't had it in a minute. Um, and it's lots of fun. You got the guy flipping everything, yeah. like broccoli in your mouth and shrimp and all that. So that's uh, probably my way to go. Yeah, that was when we would go on uh, our, our away trips in college at D3. We'd always hit the hibachi spot up on overnights. That's a, the place. Never fails. No, yeah, especially with restrictions now, you know, dialing back to it, it's like a great, it's, you know, you go for the atmosphere, the food's great as well, but like, it, it's an experience that I'm sure was not very COVID friendly um, at the time <clears throat> it was opening back up. It's uh, pretty awesome. That's nice. Yeah. And then uh, last one, uh, any TV shows, books, uh, podcasts you'd recommend that you're listening to right now or, or watching? Uh, TV shows. Um... So there's one that I actually want to get into and it was actually brought up um, today. It's called billionaires. Okay. Uh, and apparently the guy went to Hofstra and, and is a beast. So I want to, I want to check that out. And then uh, apparently it's pretty good. So I'll have to check that out. Awesome. Is that like a, is that a documentary or a, um, is it like a, uh, you know, drama? I haven't, I, I haven't I, from what I understand, it's like a TV show. It's like, oh, a, cool. yeah. So all right, cool. I'll have, have to put that on the list. Um, the one final one that I, I like to always end on is what is some advice that you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? Um, my, my biggest, whenever I talk to kids, um, my, my biggest thing is, is just to work hard, man. Um, it sounds mm -hmm. so cliche, but um, the more you work at this sport, the, the better that you can get. Um, it's, it's one of those sports where the more reps that you have, um, it's, it's just going to help you so much. And it doesn't take much to go, to go get reps. It's just, you, you're, all you need is your stick, a ball and a wall. And, um, and you can get a lot better within a couple hours. So, um, just, just work your ass off. And, and at, at the end of the day, um, find a route to get to where you want to be. Um, because even knowing my story, going through two junior colleges and then to a D one program and somehow making it to the pros, there, there's always a way to do it. No, I love that. I think that's great advice. I like that your shirt too. Um, you know, people can't see, but it says dream big. I think that's awesome that, um, you know, you're kind sure. of, you know, giving the future generations, you know, a blueprint for what they can follow as well. So I think that's awesome, but appreciate you hopping on Josh. Uh, looking forward to this upcoming long Island weekend. Um, and, uh, best of luck going forward with you in the chaos. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. 
All right, so welcome back. We appreciate Josh joining us on the show. Big must-win game for them, and uh, they certainly got it done. Um, again, a win is a win no matter you know, how you do it, and he was you know, a part of that. And I think you know, what he talked about in terms of the offense really starting to find its groove um, and this team able to kind of find its identity despite you know, a lot of its core is still there, but they did add a lot of pieces this offseason. Um, so I, I think you know, they're on the right track. Um, they'll, again, have another tough test against the Cannons this upcoming week. But we're certainly looking forward to seeing that game. Uh, now let's go look ahead to this week four. Uh, we'll start off with the Archers playing the Chrome as the opening day matchup. Their first, uh, the first game for both of these teams in a doubleheader. Um, so who do you like in this game, Adam? Yeah, as much as I think the, the, the Chrome are, are turning a page, this Archers offense is just too potent. Um, like I said last week, I'm not picking against the Whips until they lose. I think uh, since they lost, that mantra is going to uh, the Archers. I'm taking the Archers in this one. Yeah, I'm taking Archers as well. I think Chrome, we're going to give them a good game. I really do. Um, yeah. But, you know, and, and then Chrome have shown to give them fits in the past, you know, as well. But I just think the Archers are, are too good. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, you know, right now, you know, to get into betting a little bit, Archers are your post and two and a half point favorites. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, you could maybe see the Chrome cover. We talk a little bit about that on Battle of Lacrosse. So definitely listen to the, our recent episode on that. Um, but yeah, I'm going Archers as well. Um, I just can't bet against them until, until they lose either. But uh, that might change later in these matchups, but we'll see. Um, moving on to Redwoods Water Dogs. Who do you like in this game in the battle of the two and twos? Yeah, I, I think, you know, based off of last week, it, it, it might be a more foolish pick, but I'm going Water Dogs in this one. Uh, they, they seem to be going every other game from a success standpoint. So if you're going off of that, that it's their time to shine on offense. And um, I'm waiting for a big game from Dylan Ward. I think it happens uh, against a, a squad uh, like the Water Dog. I think it happens against a squad like the Redwoods who can get off a lot of shots, but um, hopefully um, this water dog squad will be able to um, bounce back and, and get the W in this one. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a really, this is a toss up this game. Um, you know, a true pick em game in my opinion, but uh, I gotta go Redwoods. I think they're going to bounce back. I think it's going to be close. Um, again, mentioned betting a little bit. I probably wouldn't take them in the points. Uh, they are one and a half point favorites, but I think they're going to find a way to win. I think their backs are kind of against the wall after, you know, starting out two and zero and then dropping, um, really, you know, some two ugly losses to the Atlas and Chaos. Um, so I think they're going to be hungry. Um, I think we're going to see Rob Pinnell really come out, you know, firing. And um, I like the Redwoods in this game. So I'm going to differ with you on that one. Moving on to Cannons Chaos. Uh, these two teams are one and three and desperate for a win. Um, you know, both sitting kind of towards the bottom of the standing, despite the Cannons having a, a positive three goal differential. Um, you know, chaos sitting at negative 10 goal differential. So they need a big win in a, a big way, but who do you like in this game, Adam? Yeah. Despite the records being the same, um, I think, uh, just from a, a production standpoint, I'm taking the cannons in this one, um, based off of a kind of how they've lost games comparatively. Um, I just think they're the better team at this point in the season. And, um, I always will, will bet, uh, on the team with a guy like Lyle Thompson. And, uh, that's why I'm taking the cannons. Yeah, I'm going to take the cans as well. I, I think they they need a win desperately. Just, you know, you can only have so many moral victories in lacrosse. Um, and really, at the end of the day, you know, losing is just, you know, not, not going to get it done um, for a team that has so much talent. So, yeah, I like them to really bounce back. Unfortunately, I didn't see enough from the chaos, even in their win, to lead me to believe that, you know, they are you know, going to kind of make a run at this thing. So uh, I'm picking Cannons as well. I think it's going to be another close game. You know, there's rarely any blowouts in the PLL. So 
Um, I think it's going to be another close one, but I like the Cannons to, to win this game. And moving on to Sunday's contest, probably the game of the weekend is the Whipsnakes taking on an Archers in their second game. Adam, who do you like in this one? Yeah, uh, it, maybe the fireworks won't be there as much just because they're, they're missing their two MVPs. But uh, I think it's still going to be close, but I'm going to take the Archers in this one. Um, as much at firepower as the Whipsnakes have, uh, I think it's going to be um, – they're going to be missing Zed and they're going to be missing uh, Rambo. So uh, I'm going to take the archers in a close one, um, but they're going to pull this one out on 4th of July. Yeah, no, I I think they're going to definitely be missing the presence of Matt Rambo and Zed Williams, but I think they're going to have a week to prepare. They're going to play the archers on short rest. I expect that Chrome archers game to be a really, you know, battle. So I think the archers are going to kind of be, uh, you know, a little weary going into this game. Again, they're really, really talented, but, I look over to the whips. They have the best face-off guy still in the league. They have one of the best defenses and they have one of the best goalies. So I think they're going to be more prepared. You're going to have Chris Eslanian kind of lead that offense. Maybe have Brad Smith down at attack as well. Um, you know, maybe we'll see Ryan Tierney, you know, come back on onto the, the, the field uh, this coming weekend as well. He, he played uh, decent. I think a few too many turnovers in his first couple of games, but um, I think they'll give him another shot. Um, I, I think this whips team, still has the pieces and you know I think they'll be better rested than the archers so I'm gonna go opposite and I'm gonna go whip snakes over the archers handing the archers their first loss of the season but this game is going to be a juggernaut battle and I can't wait to watch it and then moving on to the final game of the weekend chrome taking on the atlas again I think this is a tough one for the chrome to follow up what's going to be probably their biggest test in the archers uh, but who do you like in this one Adam yeah, like you said, playing off of uh, playing a squad that has short rest after a tough game, I'm going to take the Atlas. I think their trajectory is going up, and I think as much as this Chrome squad is going to con- get production continually from those rookies, if you look at the other end, so is the Atlas and Caraway and Jeff Teat. So I'm taking the Atlas in this one. Yeah, I'm going Atlas as well. I mean, I think I've seen enough from them the past four games to lead me to believe that they are the real deal. Um, they can hang with anybody. And again, I think it'll be another close game, but on short rest, I just don't think it's doing the Chrome any favors. And I like the Atlas to get another victory and kind of continue to cement themselves as a top team in this league. But those are our game picks for the week. We'll see who is right and who is wrong. Obviously, we have some friendly competition going on. You're currently eight and seven uh, straight up picks. I'm seven and eight. So we're neck and neck here. Uh, and we differ on a few games this weekend. So we'll certainly be looking forward to see uh, who ends up being right and who ends up being wrong. But that wraps up another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. We appreciate Josh Byrne coming on. Uh, We appreciate you guys tuning in. Please leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. Um, That really helps us move up in the ratings. And we appreciate you listening to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk.